Social Impact CX, the podcast that helps you drive mission and make a difference with customer experience. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Social Impact CX podcast. I'm John Corrigan, and I'll be your guide to how you can drive mission and achieve social impact with customer experience work. This is episode 30 of Social Impact CX, and again, as always, thank you for listening. This episode of Social Impact CX is part two of the fantastic conversation I recently had with Melinda Twan. I really hope you caught part one of our conversation in episode 29 of Social Impact CX. Melinda is Managing Director for the Fund for Shared Insight, and we go into full detail about Fund for Shared Insight in our discussion. And if you listened into part one of our conversation, you'll know that Melinda has had an interesting career working with foundations, philanthropies, nonprofits. But before we get into part two of our discussion, I'll start with a moment of gratitude, as I always try to do at the beginning of each episode of Social Impact CX. You know, during our conversation, Melinda talks about how Fund for Shared Insight got started. And so I think it would be good to share some real gratitude for the early dedication and foresight and support by both the Hewlett Foundation and the Ford Foundation, because those two organizations were really key at the very beginning to help bring about Fund for Shared Insight as we know it today. Of course, collectively, the Ford Foundation and the Hewlett Foundation, or the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, as they were founded, uh, they do all sorts of amazing things, both of them. Uh, There is so much to be thankful for when it comes to both organizations. But i just like to say the foundational support of this idea that nonprofits that get feedback from their beneficiaries are nonprofits that can be more effective in whatever it is that they are doing. Well, the Hewlett Foundation's and Ford Foundation's commitments to and their support of Fund for Shared Insight is really putting their financial support to work in a very impressive way. So thank you um, to, uh, to both of them as they came on board so early to get the core work underway. Uh, and yeah, I would have to say, when you look at all the foundations supporting Fund for Shared Insights, you know, it's a really impressive group. And so more broadly, now is probably also a good time to say thank you to all the foundations supporting Fund for Shared Insights and, and work related to nonprofits getting feedback. Um, when you look at Fund for Shared Insight alone, it's a truly impressive showing of collaborative ph- philanthropic work. So. Before we get to the second half of talking with Melinda, I did want to point out that Fund for Shared Insight offers a very interesting program called Listen for Good. And Melinda and I talk about Listen for Good in our conversation. If you're not familiar with Listen for Good, and if you're a nonprofit organization, I really encourage you to check out Listen for Good and learn more. Um, Listen for Good is a program that includes the core question found in Net Promoter Score or Net Promoter System NPS work. You may have heard or experienced Net Promoter uh, Score or Net Promoter System work along the way in the commercial sector, asking if you would uh, recommend uh, something to a friend or family, whatever. Uh, But what Listen for Good does is then they add a few more questions to the core NPS question so that they can help nonprofits then use this system to measure what they're hearing in a systematic way that really is on par with how big businesses use voice of customer or other customer listening programs or a program like NPS. 
I've been aware of the Listen for Good program now for a couple of years, and I think it's it's really impressive. So if you're a nonprofit and interested in the Listen for Good program, go online and check out the information that Fund for Shared Insight offers. It's at their website, which is fundforsharedinsight.org, and you can learn all about feedback loops and the Listen for Good program and uh, and how to get your organization involved. It's it's really good stuff. Uh, you know, they have a new app for Listen for Good that is in beta now, and we'll look forward to hearing more about that app as they move through their beta testing and getting inputs from beta users. I'm sure they're going to take that very seriously because these are people who appreciate feedback at, at the core of what they're doing. So with that, um, let's get to part two of my conversation with Melinda. So by being systematic about this, uh, can you share with us uh, the... How do you view the, the potential for impact here? And then, you know, what, what the, this is a big change for an organization to go through to embrace uh, listening and feedback in this manner. Uh, what, what do you think the, the net effect is that you've seen? Well, there are a number of ways that we see a net effect. Uh, one is we did an analysis of the first responses that we had from our first cohort of nonprofits. And we were able to learn that the question set actually works. So the people that are giving feedback in a positive way are also making positive comments. You know, we weren't sure whether people would use the full scale, the zero to 10. And we are finding that across our you know, first set of analyses of 46 organizations from 2016, that people are using that full scale of zero to 10. Now, there was something called courtesy bias, which exists in the for-profit sector and nonprofit sector with NPS, that we were concerned people would just give positive feedback because of the power imbalance in particular. Nonprofits are providing you a service. You're not the payer typically for that service. Uh, so we were concerned that maybe people would only give tens or they might feel coerced to only give nines or tens. Uh, we've maybe all had that experience at let's say your car repair place where they hand you a car along with your car saying, please give me a 10. So that would not be the best way that we'd want people to experience listen for good. Yes. So we know that it actually works in terms of the program itself, the question set. We also know that nonprofits are acting on what they have learned um, from the feedback. Uh, so we have a partner, ORS Impact, they're an evaluation firm, and they asked each of the cohorts of organizations participating in Listen for Good what they were doing based on the feedback that they were hearing from the people they seek to help. And what we really heard is that a majority of nonprofits are making changes to their program offerings based on what they hear. Um, they're making changes to their program operations. They're changing the way they interact with their clients. And a little over half of the nonprofits, after just 12 months of doing Listen for Good, are starting new services to address the needs that they hear from the feedback. Wow. Wow. So that's pretty significant when we think about, you know, we don't think of feedback as evaluation. We think of it as a third leg of a three-legged stool of learning. So you have monitoring that organizations do on, on the work that they do. They have evaluations that they do. And then we're trying to bring in feedback as like a third leg of the stool. But so often these evaluations that are done of nonprofit programs, their reports that end up sitting on a shelf don't really make a difference in the day-to-day -day operations of a nonprofit. So to see that a majority of nonprofits are making meaningful changes 
based on the feedback is pretty significant. That that really is. And and you know, for our listeners, if uh if you're interested in uh reading even a little bit more about this beyond our conversation with Melinda today, that there's a fantastic HBR article, great great for you guys, I believe is is in February twenty nineteen that came out um, uh, in the Harvard Business Review. Uh, it was entitled, Why Customer Feedback Tools Are Vital for Nonprofits. And the, the authors are actually Faye Tversky, who we uh, talked about previously, and then Fred Reichel. Uh, did I say Fred's last name correctly? Um, yes, and Fred is like the father of Net Promoter System. Yeah, he is the father of MPS. And so there are no, uh, there's, there's probably no better MPS resource uh, to be writing. And it's, it's fascinating in, in this article. If, uh, if you're listening, I really encourage you to, to check it out. Um, uh, there's examples in there from places like Cleveland Clinic. And then also what Melinda was just talking about, about uh, making, making changes to offerings and to operations and, and offering new services, all from feedback. Uh, the, the article talks about that. It really is interesting. Um, so now let's, let's t just for clarity here, let's touch on, so you've got funders and grantees and the grantees are these nonprofit organizations that are actually implementing, um, listen for good or feedback. Um, how do you think, or what are your observations in terms of measurement and metrics, um, uh, when you look at funders versus grantees? I think you were just talking about grantees. Um, right. Funders as well. Yeah, so we are seeing uh, promising changes in funders too. It's a little slower perhaps in the nonprofits. Also, if you consider we have a whole team of feedback coaches working with the nonprofits, we don't have the corollary team that's working with the funders, but we're working on improving how we work with funders going forward. Because we really want to see funders change, not just have them uh, fund nonprofits to use feedback, but really for the foundations to be informed by feedback. And we did do, uh, again, ORS Impact did interviews with 26 Listen for Good co-funders who had nominated grantees in 2017 to ask them about how they were and whether they were making changes to the way they thought about their philanthropy based on their participation in Listen for Good. And the good news is that, you know, 88% of them are thinking about nonprofits and feedback in a different way, and 80% of them plan to continue to support feedback work. Um, about 70% of them say that they're benefiting from the feedback. Uh, but most importantly, this is the number that I'm gonna keep watching, is that 31% of them, or almost a third, say they're changing their foundation practice due to listen for good. And in some cases, it means that they are asking their grantees about what they're hearing, so they're having conversations right. about the feedback. Um, in some cases, foundations, and this would be like what we would like to see more foundations do, they're using that feedback to inform their strategy at the foundation level. One of our Listen for Good co-funders, the Moses Taylor Foundation in Scranton, Pennsylvania, they nominated five of their local grantees in the Scranton-Wilkesboro region. One of them is a school-based health clinic, and Moses Taylor is looking at the feedback, incorporating the feedback they're hearing from that school-based health clinic to inform their own strategy around how they want to fund school-based health programming going forward. Gotcha. That's pretty exciting. That is exciting. So that is, so it's, uh, well, I was, 
I was wondering if would you go so far as to say that the funders are beginning to create pull in the grantee world or nonprofit world to uh, be able to report out on feedback? Uh, do you think you're there quite yet? Are you seeing some of that? We're seeing some of it. I mean, there are more foundations that we hear of who are asking their prospective grantees how they're listening to the people they seek to help or how has their grant proposal for a building or for this program been informed by the people that will benefit from it. Um, and I think there's a fine line here because we do want foundations to be asking for this, but we also don't want this to become an unfunded mandate where it's just another requirement that funders are layering on to nonprofits without actually helping those nonprofits build the capacity to do the listening on an ongoing, systematic, and high-quality basis. That is an excellent point. And I'll tell you, there's an ancillary to that in the for-profit world in that um, I think lots of times it's just expected that you understand the customer experience, but it doesn't always, the work doesn't get funded properly. And so, it's hard to really reflect that correctly. And so right. uh, keeping clarity and a spotlight on the fact that this is important work and it does require some resources. Um, uh, uh, I think that's a really important point that you're making. Right, because otherwise you end up with people, I mean, it drives these uh, unintended consequences of people gaming the system. Yep. You know, so I recently had an experience at Staples. I love Staples in general. Right. But <laughs> when I went to pick up my uh, print order, the guy actually said to me, here's your print order, please fill out the survey because someone gave us a zero and we now need 19 tens to make up for it. Yep. Yep. Like that is not the kind of interaction that we want nonprofits to be having with yep. their clients saying, thank you for coming to our health clinic for your very vulnerable health need. Uh, we've gotten zeros and we now need you to give us a 10. Right. Like that is just not what we want to have happen. And again, if there aren't the kind of high quality training and coaching of organizations or the ability to understand that this is about providing dignity and respect to people that we're ultimately seeking to help and that it's about learning for improvement, not the funder being punitive because you got a low MPS score. Like, those are all things that I think we're really trying to watch carefully and be clear yeah. about. Yeah, no, I think that's really, really important. Some sort of, uh, um, uh, false influence in your MPS score, manipulating it somehow is not helpful. Um, uh, it's, that's not going to help you get to where you want to go. It doesn't matter if you're a nonprofit or a for-profit. So. Right. And one of our um, partners in this, I mean, they have a, a custom program, Center for Employment Opportunities. So they have a, their whole system of feedback that they built, um, but they've incorporated some of the listen for good questions into what they're asking. And what they talk about is with the NPS, they like to see their NPS scores go down over time because it means that people are more honest and they actually trust the organization more. Interesting. Right. So, you know, that'd be sort of opposite of what you might think, you know, not I, driving for the higher score yeah, necessarily is, at first. What I've heard. For, although, you know, what is interesting is that uh, you got to go back to, as you very well described on the front end, which is how, NPS is actually scored. It's relative to your sector and what you're doing. And if you're changing and evolving as an organization and your service offerings or whatever you're doing, you know, how that, that may be changing your NPS context as well, too. It's, it's really kind of interesting. So, um, 
you have provided so much. Uh, I, I'm such a huge fan of the work that you guys are doing and the Listen for Good program. And there's an application now too, isn't there? Yeah, so this is what we are calling our online beta. We just closed applications for nonprofits across the country that didn't have to have a nominating funder to participate because we've built this very robust interactive website and app which basically helps organizations go through this high quality feedback loop uh, without an actual person coaching them through each of those five steps. The, the app and the website are designed to take the user, meaning the nonprofit staff, through the five steps um, sort of virtually. So we're testing it. Yep. Uh, we have, I think, upwards of maybe 175, 200 organizations that are gonna participate in the beta Okay. to give us feedback on does this work because as we think about scaling you know, as wonderful as our co-funded program is with a $30,000 grant and a feedback coach and access to peer learning and all these things it's not really scalable when you think about the millions and millions of nonprofits around the country that really could benefit from listen for good yes. so we are looking toward opening up this app to the general nonprofit sector sometime in 2020, mm -hmm. and this beta is to basically test. Did we build it the right way? What do we need to improve to make it easier for organizations to access these high quality feedback loops and learn how to do it, but just without through the one-on-one -on -one coach right. and the grant. Right, that would be uh, very interesting as you guys uh, go through your beta program. So that, that sounds great. And are you, do you have, um, uh, uh, organizations that are outside the U.S. using um, uh, uh, using Listen for Good also, or is it primarily just U.S.? It is primarily U.S., so we have over 200, as I mentioned, that are across the United States that are using Listen for Good right now. We do have just the very, very beginnings of a pilot that we are doing with an organization and funder pair in Singapore and another pair of a funder and nonprofit in Melbourne, Australia. And this is in partnership with an organization called the Asian Venture Philanthropy Network based in Singapore. So they basically heard about Listen for Good and said, we'd like to try this. And one of our original feedback coaches happens to have moved to Singapore. So it was sort of one of these uh, serendipitous, uh, opportunistic situations. Okay, great. So I'm a big fan of Say It, Say It Again one more time. And so I'm gonna ask you, um, a very similar question what we've been talking about but in a different way so if there's somebody in a nonprofit organization out there listening to our conversation and they are not currently using feedback collection systematically approaching how to get feedback from customers or beneficiaries or constituents of whatever type what are they missing out on well I would say in all likelihood, they are asking for feedback in some ways, again, because we know from the 2013 CEP study that 99% of nonprofits say they do. Um, but what they're missing if they're not collecting feedback on an ongoing and systematic way is a way to have greater confidence that they're really hearing from the people with a lived experience and getting the breadth and depth of what their experience is with their programs and services on an ongoing basis. What we hear again and again from the nonprofits that we work with, you listen for good, and the funders that are nominating them is prepare to be surprised. Yeah. Um, there are 
time and time again, examples of organizations that asked through Listen for Good and heard things that were very surprising. Um, some things that were confirming for sure, where they had suspected something was an issue and now they have the data to back it up. But in other cases, for example, there's a food bank that asked a custom question, you know, what else would you like the food bank to offer? And the staff thought, well, they'll probably say something like nutrition classes or maybe cooking classes because we're a food bank. And what they heard was dental services. Mm. Now, I would guess that like, unlikely that a food bank would have come up with that on their own without asking for this systematic feedback. And because they heard it from a lot of different people that they surveyed do listen for good, they had confidence that this is actually something that a lot of their clients really wanted. Now, the food bank's not going to go into dental services, but they do know of a local community-based organization that provides dental services. So could they partner with that organization to bring those services on site to the food bank so that when people are waiting in line for their food under their awning and on the benches <laughs> in a more streamlined waiting process based on their listen for good experience, um, that they could also get dental services. Uh, another example, and I love this example, uh, and they wrote about it in the Stanford Social Innovation Review, is the Nurse Family Partnership. Yeah. National organization, they've had the gold standard in terms of evaluation of the results of their program working with young, mostly young first-time mothers. And when they got the Listen for Good grant, their CEO said, well, I just don't think the young women are going to use their text hours to respond to a text survey from us. But okay, we'll just give it a try. So they sent out the Listen for Good survey via text to the 20,000 or so moms that they serve. And within 20 minutes, they had heard from a thousand of these moms. Wow. And the moms said, thank you so much for asking us for feedback. We feel valued now that you really want to hear from us about our experience and how you can make it better. And they heard really positive feedback overall from the young moms, but they also heard things that were surprising, like the moms wanted to be connected with other moms in the area. Now their model is all about the nurse-mother relationship, um, but it didn't preclude adding on other services that would reinforce the experience for young moms to have their peers you know, connecting via Facebook or in person in local meetings. The moms also said, we would like to be able to text our nurses and not just have it on the phone or be in person. We would like to have all the materials that are given to us in like a big binder of paper instead be put on an app. And what's happened is that this has sort of catapulted nurse family partnership in terms of a technology uh, perspective into like the modern world. Uh, they weren't even collecting cell phone numbers from moms before Listen for Good, and now they're really moving towards developing this app and texting moms and having nurses text the moms, um, setting up Facebook groups and things like that. And in addition, as we mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, they were so taken with this feedback loop, the high quality feedback loop with the moms, that they are now have an entire feedback department at Nurse Family Partnership. So they have a department that's focused on feedback from staff, from nurses, mm -hmm. from the young moms they, so the moms they serve, with their donors. I mean, they've sort of embraced feedback as a practice that's core to their organization, really transforming the organization. And you can read more about it in this um, Stanford Social Innovation Review article, as well as 
I think there's a video too. I do recommend to uh, listeners, in addition to that HBR article which I mentioned earlier, the Stanford Social Innovation Review article from January of 2019 is certainly something to check out as well. That's, that's what Melinda's referring to here. Um, wow, well, this, this has been great. Um, before we wrap up, where are you headed with this? What's the future vision of Fun for Shared Insight and Listen for Good? Well, as I mentioned, our future vision really is that more and more nonprofits would be able to benefit from this. More immediately, we are going to have another co-funded round in September 20th of 2019. That's the deadline for nonprofits to apply. They just need a funder to nominate them and be good for the $15,000 that we'll match. Uh, so that's coming up. And then as I mentioned, in 2020, we're looking to open up the app to the general public. And if someone's interested in that uh, next co-funder, all that information is online on, on your website? Yes. If you go under the top right side of our website, there are five tabs. One of them is called Listen for Good. And all the information about Listen for Good, the co-funded program, the beta round that just uh, closed in terms of applications is there. Uh, there are examples of the questions that we ask. Lots of information there. Okay. That's great. Is there anything else that you'd like everyone to know about um, uh, Fun for Shared Insight or Listen for Good? Well, I think I'd like your listeners to know that it is important to ask for feedback and yep. to be open to acting on what you hear. That closing the loop is super important and it's ultimately about bringing dignity and respect to the experience of people who are often not listened to, whose voices are often not heard, and to really engage them in partnering with us in our work. Uh, we talk about feedback being at its core about inclusion and diversity, and the sector talks a lot about equity, diversity, and inclusion, and feedback at its core really is about including those voices of those who are least heard, and there are very diverse voices we're listening to, about 80% self-identify as people of color. And we're seeing increasingly that feedback can lead to more equitable practices because as you look at your data and you disaggregate by race or ethnicity, by gender, by sexual orientation, by age, you may see differences in how people experience your services and your products. And to address those in a fundamental way and change your organization to address those voices that are least heard is all about bringing more equity to the sector. Um, there's one way to bring yeah. equity, more equity to the sector. That is great. That, that is great. Well, thank you for your time, Melinda. I'm so glad that you've joined us here at Social Impact CX and for all your thoughts and insights and wisdom. Um, certainly look forward to seeing what happens in the future uh, with everyone at uh, Fun for Shared Insight and Listen for Good. Great. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Thank you. So this has been Social Impact CX Podcast, episode 30, which has been part two of my conversation with Melinda Twan of Fund for Shared Insight. It was really a delight to talk with Melinda, and I certainly appreciate the time she took to share a bit more about Fund for Shared Insight and listen for good with, with me and with Social Impact CX listeners. And I just have to say her closing remarks that conveyed her passion for feedback. And she talked about feedback and diversity and inclusion, 
Well, that's that's really what this is all about. I know that I agree with Melinda on what she said there, and I hope you do too. Um, I'll repeat something that I say often here at Social Impact CX. Uh, you know, the more you know, the more you can help. And so whether it's feedback or understanding someone's journey, whatever it is, uh, this is really important work in the nonprofit or social impact sectors. So do you have thoughts or something uh, to ask about after listening uh, to my conversation with Melinda? As always, you can ask a question or make a comment here at Social Impact CX a couple different ways. First, you can send an email to comment at socialimpactcx.com. That's C-O-M-M-E-N-T at socialimpactcx.com. You can also find us on Twitter and post a question there. Our Twitter handle is socialimpactcx. And please follow us on Twitter um, to stay up to date with new podcasts and other related content. You can also find me personally on Twitter, and feel free to reach out there. My handle is John F. Corrigan. Uh, We've expanded now where you can find Social Impact CX, so you may be listening from someplace new like Spotify, or maybe you're listening from one of our standbys like Apple Podcasts or Google Play. If you're listening to this podcast uh, someplace where you can post a comment, feel free to do so, and we'll do our best to, uh, to respond to you from there. This is John Corrigan reminding you that, especially in social impact work, it's important to understand that your mission is really all about someone else's journey. And the more you know about someone's journey, the more you can help. Thanks for listening to Social Impact CX.